169 of three beers in the movie. I am Richard Laird, and I'm with Barry Neil. Barry, we are once again, Barry, we are confined to our homes as the government has shut us all down. We are in some sort of semi lockdown. Yeah, it's not very clear anymore. I'm actually, I have literally no idea what's going on. I literally text people and go, Do I hang out? Nah, it's a bit sketchy. I'm like, I, I respect that. Aye. That's I'm pretty much how I do it now. I'm allowed to be or who I'm allowed to talk to. But I know we're okay over Zoom, but Ex- other than that, my, my, my understanding of the rules are exceptionally hazy right now. Like, you can eat in a restaurant as long as the restaurant predominantly serves meals. You can't eat in a restaurant that is mainly a pub. It's a very yeah. odd rule. And you, need to, and you need to be finished by six o'clock. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, it's all... It, the water is as muddy as they've ever been. Yes. And I think this is why a lot of a lot of people are just like, fuck it, I'm just going to do whatever I'm going to do. Yes. If, yeah. you, if the roads are not clear cut, people think they always find nice. Like you said, the muddied waters um, allow people to sort of, you know, hide what they're doing a lot of things. Yeah, so yeah. we are recording this in the afternoon, so I'm assuming you're not drinking anything of note. Cause... No, no, I've literally been awake for... Pretty much about an hour now, so <laughs> I'm like just on the water. It'd be a, as am I. As much as I'd like to grab a beer, it'd be a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm the same on the water. I think also as you get into the winter months, and you know, I mean, I all staying at home a lot. I feel if we start mm. drinking too early, it will lead to very bad things. They have to sort of at least yeah control ourselves to some degree. So, uh, um, drinking at two o'clock in the afternoon is probably not the cleverest idea. No, it's a slippery slope because then two becomes half ten in the morning the next yes. day. So you know, yeah, the, 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 the midday rule gets thrown out the window at that point. When you start reverting to like, you know um, holiday airport rules at that point, you know, which is never a good place. But international airport rules, rules yeah. As long as you're there, you can drink. Um, yeah, so as we discussed, you know, lockdowns happen, cinemas are shut. Nothing's open. We can't go anywhere, so we are definitely much, much again, very much relying on the whole streaming service aspect. Before we do that, um, we'll give an update on the Camel Lairds. Now they've only played one game oh, since the last spoke, and that unfortunately was a three-nil defeat um, in the oh. FA Vaz Cup. So that's like the sort of the like Junior Cup almost, like the sort of the you know biggest cup of the non-league. And um, they were out three-nil to a team who I think ranked at least I think a division, maybe two divisions above them. So not exactly a, a bad result, but. They are out of the cup now. Yeah. They were supposed to play last night, but one of the, one of the opposition's team got COVID, so that game got cancelled. So hopefully they can get back to yeah. action on Saturday. But yeah, it's all very... I think that can be the, the way of things. It's now uh, games might be planned, and all of a sudden it's called off at short notice. But we wish them good luck on wh- yeah. whenever they get to play again. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we shall now delve into the streaming services, Barry of Note. So we've made a bunch of stuff we're going to watch, so hopefully you've watched a chunk of it. I've watched a chunk of it, so let's see how we go. So first one up is yep. a documentary series called American Murder, The Family Next Door, mm. directed by Jenny Pocklewell, mm. and it's her debut feature. Um, and it basically, the plot is a true life story, doc, it's a true life documentary, four parts. Is it four parts, three parts, four parts? I want to say four parts. Hey, um, four parts. Four parts about the mother of Shannon Watts and her two children, um, or the disappearance yeah. of the mother, sorry, uh, and how it all plays out amongst the, the, the many players involved in the, the case. Um, what did you think of this one? Uh, I'm going to be transparent here. Uh, before you had actually added it to the list, the previous week, Stacey was actually watching it, and I okay. caught the last episode. Right. So I didn't bother myself actually watching it because I'd seen the end of it. Fair enough. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, I know what happens. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of things on this week's list that annoyed me in one way or another, and this was definitely right up there. Yeah, it was like I just I I cannot process how 
how a guy or a woman could do that to their family. It's yeah. like I'm I'm trying I'm trying to separate the crime from the presentation of it in this documentary. Now the crime is horrendous, horrible, and can never be understood. Yeah. And you can I, I don't understand it, and I of course I won't want to understand it. So the crime is horrendous. So anything I say negatively about this documentary is not belittling the people mm. who passed who were killed in this. You know, what happened was absolutely horrendous and horrible. But the documentary. Hold itself, on, Stacey's eavesdropping. Is it? I would definitely murder Stacey in a minute. Let's just get that clear. <laughs> she must definitely take you out first. There's not even a doubt of that. Um, <laughs> so this thing plays into the sort of yeah. the current obsession with true crime. You know, the podcast world, all this. Netflix is loving true crime this now. So this is a very saturated mm. market to the point where this story isn't that interesting. It's, no. it's not. It's not. There's no real sort of investigation. There's no sort of mystery to it. It's pretty clear from almost the first moment who yeah. did it, who done it, yeah. and you know for a second every time they talk to him he's lying. So they where they go, how they make the last four episodes really. I'm like, there is no plot here. It's very obvious what's happened. Why are we, why are we dragging this on? And it feels like it's trying to make a yeah. story and making a story out of the horrendousness of the crime rather than about anything else. It felt like they needed a story. That's all it was. They needed a story, and this is the one that fell into the laps because it's two young girls involved in it. Um, Aye, exactly. I, I found it very boring. I, I did not yes. find it interesting at all. Because, like I said, the crime yeah. horrific, horrendous, but the actual documentary found boring as well. They, they could have easily smashed it out in like a, a 90 minute movie yeah. and been done with it rather than dragging it on for four yeah. episodes. Because Stacey even came away saying the exact same thing that there wasn't a lot of like actual like, meat on the bone. Uh-huh. It was simply just like, it's a cheap, easy thing to do, as we always say about all this kind of stuff that appears on Netflix, this like a crime documentary series things. It's like, they're just easy to make. Ah, they're pulling the heartstrings with the fact that it's a, it's a young family and it's a young, mm-hmm. and they're, trying to, they're almost trying to make, they're doing a bit about trying, trying to like shame the, the victim a little bit by making it sound like she's a little bit possessive, a little bit kind of, you know, sort of very much into like sort of, Insta media life and all that kind of stuff. Did that fall? She was posting far too much for my criteria, so you know. she was. She was posting way too much, and I want, but it doesn't deserve to be killed for it. Um, so, well. <laughs> so it, 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 felt, it, felt that, it felt that was there just to try and make more of a story, to yeah. almost you know try and add to the yeah. story. Whereas that was shut down very quickly. So it's like if it, you felt there was no real story there, and even a ninety-minute feature of it, like you said, I think there would be no meat on those bones. I can just it would just feel like. It's the horrendousness of the crime of what happened mm. to the young girls and their mother is so horrible. But the actual how yeah. it happens isn't that interesting how it all goes down. It's, it's almost it's almost sadly too predictable, you know. Mm. That's well yeah, because like the neighbor the neighbour called it within like the first like five minutes. Uh-huh. You know? That's a, that was a crazy thing and you're like, Man, maybe listen to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy seems to know shit. So because of that, that was, guy's been watching this family. Yeah. So I was, I watched the first one, watched the second one, and by the second episode, I was like, I'm checked out of this. I watched, I did finish watching it, see how it all panned out and stuff like that. But I just found it utterly just sort of devoid of any sort of interest to me. Mm. I just I had no sort of feelings towards it whatsoever. All the fact I felt what happened to me was absolutely mm. horrendous. But the actual, as an actual mm. piece of media, I found it exceptionally boring and very, very unimaginative in what it was doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stacey pretty much came away saying roughly about the same kind of things. Like, she liked 
the overall plot of it, but there just wasn't enough there to keep her like engaged. That's why yeah. she ended up rattling it in, a, in, a, in an afternoon. And I like I said, I randomly, I, I think I randomly woke up and I just like I watched like the last episode with her, and then I went to work. So yeah, yeah. It's not. It, there's better examples of this type of story in these investigative mm. things, you know. Because I always think the point of these things it's not to too much. It's a, it's that fine balance of you do not want to glamorize the killer, right? So you don't want to do that. So you can't do that. No. And that this doesn't do that. What I think these things should then do is show how good the police detectives and the investigators are at uncovering. If you start trying to bullshit them, how good they are at uncovering that, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyone who thinks they can do it, well, like, no, these guys are good. They, they'll, they'll find, they will find you out, okay? Mm. But these guys don't have to work very hard. This guy, <laughs> he's guilty from the word go. So they're not even having to like, do a lot of really clever stuff to trick him. He's like, his story just falls apart so quickly. It's like, he's clearly a guilty man. You know, so yeah, it's, yeah, that yeah. thing. So it's not even like trying to predict, you know, trying to show how good the police forces are at doing this. It's like, no, man, I, we all fucking saw this. Like from the moment this, like... <laughs> You know, the first interview, you go, well, that guy is really guilty, you know. Um, uh, so, and then, then you show them uncovering evidence of it, really, you know. Then you, you know to try and prove the case. It just felt, it just very. I thought it was very lazy. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I would give it, it a was very, very like. Sorry, man, you go. I was just gonna say it was very much like a like uh, de- detective by numbers. It was like all laid out for them. Uh-huh. There wasn't really much there for them to to rummage around, you know. Your average law you know, yeah. Even you're probably pa- passing Karen from the local scheme could have probably worked it out as quick. Absolutely. I mean, I, I worked out quick, and I'm not very good at detective stuff, but I figured it out very quickly. Um, so I'm giving a very lowly, very average five out of ten. Yeah, fair enough, dude. Fair enough. I'm going to yeah. join you on that one because even though I only watched one episode, I was like, all right, that's enough. I've pretty much got the whole entire gist of this story in the last I, episode, you know? Yeah, in one, in one four minute episode, exactly. So. On from that, yeah. we'll go to Netflix. Stay on Netflix, and this is a, the only only actual drama we're watching this week, which is one called Rocks, uh, directed by mm. Sarah Gavron, um, who directed Suffragette, mm. Brick Lane, and The Village at the End of the World. Really good documentary all about Greenland, if you've seen that one. Um, the plot of this one is about a young girl living in London, um, I think she's Nigerian origin, and her mother living in sort of like very sort of you know working class, very sort of low rent accommodation. Her mother leaves one day, so she's mm-hmm. left essentially having to try and to raise her younger brother and make sure he doesn't get, you know, make sure he stays healthy and stays in school. At the same like. time, she's also trying to stay in school as well and try to do all the things that young teenage girls have to try and deal with. It's very much a sort of coming of age, true life drama. Um, and yeah. the film, you've really got a bunch of unknowns that pretty much no one really is of no. Apparently, they all came from a sort of local high school and stuff around the area, and they sort of done open editions for them mm-hmm. and just picked the sort of best ones. And the one girl who stands out is Bucky Bakery. She is the, the main girl in it. She's sort of, so she has pretty much everything on screen. So she, um, she's the sort of main person. Everybody else, like I said, complete unknowns and just fill the world. Um, what do you think of this one? Yeah, this was okay. I quite, I, I actually quite enjoyed this film. It was like yeah. a nice week, a snippet of like a shit moment in somebody's life. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it never explains where the mothers went. She no. just like randomly isn't there. So that was kind of nice. Like, you know, it didn't need a big, like, you know, it wasn't like an overhanging thing. Yeah. It was just, she simply just randomly wasn't there one day. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, it was just like a nice week, a slice of like, kind of look into somebody's life as she's struggling to deal with, uh, you know, getting him to school, having money to feed him and everything else and yeah. everything that's going along with her. 
I think yeah. you get the sense that this is not That'd the first time the mother's done it. I think this is what you get sense of, this is not the first time the mother's ran away. She does see something on the line of like her mum's left again. So mm. I think you get the sense that this has happened before. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was absolutely amazing. I absolutely this is the kind of film I really yeah. enjoy. This sort of um Ken Loach realism, you know, sort of real kind of like down gritty kind of like Filmmaker, but it does feel like you're not watching a film, you're just watching someone being followed around. It felt very much like a documentary, though it's not a documentary. Um, nothing, yes. about, nothing about it feels false or you know out of place. It all seems, it all seems very real. Um, I thought mm. the young girl, Bucky uh, Bakery, I thought she was absolutely for the first film, I thought she was fucking amazing in it. I thought it was, like everything she did was like so, um, like magnetic. You couldn't keep your, eye, your eyes off her. She was, she said, she just held the camera and she and, she, and she had that amount of like so. Really heavy duty sort of um, you know drama upon you in your first acting role was mm. so tough, but she pulled it off, and she, everything about it was totally believable. Um, yeah, yeah. Rest of the cast also excellent. Like like the young, I can't remember the girl's name, but the one who plays who, who wears the hijab, like her friends who sort of helped her out. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I she was yeah, brilliant yeah. as well. I can't remember her name unfortunately, but she I thought she was excellent and really sort of became, and even though she's not in it very much, even the the, the sort of the white girl in the group. Um, I thought it was good as well because they all mm-hmm. they've, not, they've, not, they've not got a lot of screen time together, but they all feel very real and they all feel like real people. They don't feel like just like caricatures or anything. They, they all feel like they are, and I'm describing as caricatures, but they really are not. They do feel like all real lived-in people, um, and you can imagine them. You can mm. imagine seeing these people and you know understanding who they are, and um, you don't feel like there's any sort of real performance there. Um, and ultimately, I think even though it's a really sad film, because it's really depressing for a lot of, for a lot of it, you know, it's the real sadness mm. for, for good for. Like massive parts of it. The, the, the girls in it, the main like sort of group of like maybe five or six girls, they give you real hope because they're all looking out for each other. They're all sort of trying to bet themselves that they're not been put down by the system. That they're trying to like sort of fight against it and they're doing their best to sort of to be better than, than where they've come from, which I think is great. And and mm-hmm. you want to spend more time with them. So ultimately, it's a very depressing story, but it is a sort of because of the characters, it's a depressing situation. But the characters in the story give you a sense of hope, which I thought was definitely needed because, mm. unfortunately, like a lot of the Ken Loach films that I watch that I've seen recently, they are amazing films, like I Daniel Blake, for example. But nothing about that film came out with a feeling any sense of hope whatsoever. Whereas this one, I still come out with a feeling a sense of hope towards it because of the young girl. Yeah, in it, the, the yeah. Eventually, you, th- yeah, you yeah, there's like I can't. There's a, a few brief moments where you like, I just walk out, you know, one way or another. Yeah, and I, I think that makes a big difference, you know, the fact that that's there rather than just, um, you know, just this constantly, there's this idea of constantly that working class life is always hard, always tough and always shit, which it can be at times, but there is sort of still hope and laughter mm. there, and this film is a good idea of getting that across, I thought, uh, really well. So, yeah, for that, I was, I was really pleased. I was really pleased to watch it, and it felt like, it felt like a good investment of time. In a week that I would say has not been a great investment of time movie wise, this felt like definitely the best investment of time movie wise. Um, mm. Out of 10, what do you give it? I'm going to give that a solid 7 out of 10 because it it's a good wee story. Uh, it's kind of one of those ones I don't think I'd ever return to it. No. I think it's just like a flash in the pan more and then that's it. Yeah, but I definitely recommend it to people to watch. Um, I would give it a 9 out of 10 because I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, but from that, we shall move on to one that has caused a family strife in my household. Um, well, my family, no. yeah, uh, another Netflix one. It's called 
Uh, David know. Attenborough, a life on our Yeah, I made the mistake on, Just, the, on the family WhatsApp of basically saying that I'm not 100% thinking David Attenborough is all hot shit. Um, like I'm just, I'm just not into, I'm just not into documentaries that much. I'd, to say I don't like David Attenborough would be complete madness. That's obviously not true. Can't do, it. can't say that, Brent. But I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I don't hold on to the that other people do. Okay, so that's that's my issue. It's the equivalent of being a Rangers fan and hating the Queen. This is where you're at now. Essentially, that's basically what I am. Yes, um, he's a national treasure. He's a national treasure, and I get that. And I've known him It's like, it's I, like. I think I put it down to this. Nature documentaries are I not I said that last week. I like, love a good nature documentary. And honestly, I said this last week. I'm going to repeat it again. Every nature documentary that I watch that he's not narrating, it's fucking shit. It's <laughs> like you go, ah, it's, it's just not that. <laughs> yeah. It's just not that 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 voice of re- of reason and everything in there. You know? He has got a great voice. I give you that. But I, no, the only one that's more... came close... My jam is much more history and sort of like science and like sort of space things like rather than being like sort of the mm. natural world, which I do appreciate and I do very yeah. much enjoy. But I would never, very really well, sitting watch a nature documentary. It's very much all about science and mm. uh, history for myself. That, that's what my sort of social sciences go towards. So maybe that's why yeah. I'm not going to point you like a David Amber fan. But anyway, David Amber, A Life on Our Planet, directed by Alistair Fothergill and Johnny Hughes and Keith Schwocky. So these are the guys who are um, who are all involved in it. So there's a lot of footage in this film, I could imagine. I've got things about David Attenborough. Mm. And essentially, it's a continuation of his Life in the Freezer and Life Underwater series, only it's called A Life on Our Planet. And it's basically about his life mm. and his what, how the world has changed um, from a biodiversity yeah. sense um, in his sort of 92 years on the planet. Um, so it, it's just him sort of commenting on how the world has changed over the past 90 or so years. Um, so yeah. since I am the negative one, I will start by being saying this is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh-huh. Very passable. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't like that it didn't dive very deep. It's, it's only a 90 minute documentary, so it does feel you're getting mm. very sort of you're skimming the surface of a lot of stuff. There's not really a lot of depth to it, and it's trying to skim the surface of a yeah. lot of different subjects, which means it does come across mm-hmm. feeling quite shallow. Um, yes. The flashback stuff of him, his early life, like the sort of reconstructed his early life, not required, not needed, didn't happen, didn't need to have that. Didn't mind the old footage, yeah. like you don't need to do, re- like him as a schoolboy, don't need to see that shit, that's, you can throw that out the window right now. Um, yeah. The message obviously he's trying to get across, you know, very prevalent, very important, um, but, but you're hearing it everywhere, and it feels like it's just, the people are watching it, it's an echo chamber, no one, no one who watches this is really going to care that doesn't already care about this, you know, they already have this in their mind. It's not like something people are going to watch, like, you know, I don't think you're going to get any climate change deniers watching this documentary and going, like, oh my God, we must change because of David Attenborough. So it doesn't feel like it's mm. telling us anything. Again, the problem we've had with a few documentaries over the last sort of, like, couple of months we've been watching on Netflix, there's nothing new in it, really. Mm. Some of the footage didn't feel quite as awe-inspiring as other ones. It felt like very much it was sort of the same footage from previous documentaries, just sort of rehashed and re-edited. As opposed to feeling anything mm. new about it, um, I, you, I know that I, I know that footage of the I think it's the orangutan sitting in the only tree that they haven't cut down. Yeah. That footage has been pumped around like literally every every bit of like save the planet media you can possibly think of. 
uh, just because it is such a striking image. Um, I like this documentary. It also, like, it pisses me off so much. I came away just angry at the world because I'm just like, how have we got to a point where we've just fucked it to the yeah. point where it's like, the planet is now literally trying to fuck us over to try and kill us, to try and like slow us down. That's where it's at now. It's literally this horrible game we're playing with the planet on who's going to fucking outlast the other one. That's all we're trying to do now. Yeah. And you're, it just it just pissed me off because I was just like, Attenborough, pretty, unless I've got this completely wrong, Attenborough pretty much hinted that we've got about a decade to get our shit together yeah. or else we're catastrophically fucking it completely. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the if message people going in the same path is absolutely completely 100% prevalent, and, and that is something that's important to put across. But mm. the message wasn't new, and it's, and yeah. hopefully it will make more people realise the message, and hopefully more people will understand it. Mm. But I just feel again, like the documentary people who who know this message are watching the documentary. People who don't care about this message are not going to watch the documentary. So I just feel like it's it's just. It didn't, yeah, feel yeah, yeah. In a very in, it didn't feel like it was doing it in an interesting and unique way to make it sort of feel more like more prevalent or even reach a reach a different audience. It's reaching the same audience mm. as before. Um, yes. And that's so sort of outside bit, of that. Sorry, in fact it's on Netflix. So outside as well. of that can Yeah. You know, Netflix is always in everyone's house. It's not on the BBC. This needs to go mm. on the BBC. So that's that's in everyone's home. Yeah. No, and I feel like you're losing something because yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It was, um, so that's the kind of negative of the way. Outside of that, I did like it, how it was kind of like jumping back to like his early days of like um, uh, like presenting. Because yeah. also like, I've never seen any of that footage and I've never really seen any of that stuff until like maybe the stuff when I started watching him was when he was doing the kind of stuff when I was like an early teenager so yeah. maybe like uh, say 15, 20 years ago that's when I kind of started watching him so anything before that that was kind of cool to me to like I see know. him you know and, and the fact how like in the early, early days the first time and stuff like that and him meeting the monkeys yeah, yeah. and stuff that yeah it was I mean I think it's a great footage but again it feels like it's again it's footage that I've seen before it didn't feel new or interesting mm. because it is all I did like it um and being being British and being oh, fact sorry, on BBC, we all grew up with that yeah. on the TV all the time. So mm. maybe American audience will dig it because American audience will go, "Oh, this is so." They don't really have any of that sort of on national television. You got to go to PBS for that. But as we grew up with all this stuff, so mm. it doesn't feel like it's particularly new or interesting. Um, but like I said, the message yeah. very prevalent, and obviously you obviously get the message across as best you can. But the actual documentary itself, I found a little bit boring. Yeah. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it? It was a nice car. It was a nice car snippet. It was a car, without him releasing a book, it was a nice overall picture of his life. It was a great That's what I, I felt, it felt a bit like a great you know. Yeah. Yeah. I did like it how in the early days he used to get in about the animals and all that. It was a very kind of Steve Irwin-esque way of doing things. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's like sort of hanging out with the, uh, the apes and he's sort of like basically climbing <laughs> over them and stuff like that and he's like talking to the penguins and shit like that. You know what Yeah, he's, he's definitely no, he's like just, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, out of 10, what you give it? Uh, come on, I'm bro fan. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. Oh, I am I'm giving it a 6 out of 10. The message was oh, good. Some of the, 
some of the food, I'm not, like I said, I'm not against Attenborough. That'd be madness to say such a thing against Attenborough. That makes no fucking sense. Um, I'm just, if you want to, if you want to do this, with, but I'm probably, you're more in, you're on board for this stuff already. I'm the guy who needs to be convinced mm. to watch a nature documentary, although I do like them. Mm. You've got to make it something special, make me interested to watch it. And this didn't, wasn't really interesting to watch, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, fair play, fair play. Like you said, yeah. it's like the ones that are going to watch this are the ones that are going to watch a nature documentary every time it appears. So, oh. yeah, it, I'm glad that his account on Instagram is so popular in terms of people following him because then that's like a lot of eyes watching him when he yeah. makes these little like short videos every other day. So that's a good thing. Yeah. So hopefully that kind of like reaches an audience that's like not used to maybe watching a full like nature series on the BBC or whatever. So. Yeah, exactly. That's what you want to see. Um, on from that, we move away from Netflix finally um, on to Amazon Prime. And the final documentary, a very documentary heavy week this week, we go for uh, the documentary mm. All In the Fight for Democracy. Uh, created by Lisa Cortez mm. and Liz Garbus. Um, Lisa Cortez was a director and uh, producer of Precious and The Woodsman. Liz Garbus was the director of What Happened to Miss Simone uh, and also done that film Lost Girls we talked about last week and done a, done a lot of other stuff as well. So she, we talked about her last week at length and she's done quite a lot of uh, sort of true life documentaries and things like that. So the plot of this film is essentially yeah. it's about the set, the, the race from governor in Arkansas, uh, Stacey Koch, I think is her name, Stacey Keach, um, is a black woman who's running mm. for the, the government, uh, the governorship in Arkansas against a guy who is a very white gentleman who has been in power for a while and has rigged the system essentially in his favour. Um, from that, it delves into sort of generally how over the past 150 years, the sitting government has manipulated the voting, the way you vote essentially in America in order to sort of mm. hold power and, and keep power and to disenfranchise as many people as possible who you think might be against you um, and to make sure their votes don't mm. count essentially. Um, so very, like I said, we 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 watch the things that are very important and sort of very in the zeitgeist right now. This is always a big deal right now with the fact that the national election is coming up in about two and a half weeks. Um, so yeah. yeah. So what do you think of this one? I think you were just trying to piss me off this week about every everything that was going on. It was like right. we had this, which is obviously always about just keeping the black person down yep. in terms of like voting. Then you had David Attenborough, so you're pissing me off about the way we're just fucking the planet. Yeah. And then we also had the uh, the guy who murdered his family, and I'm sitting yeah. there just going, "What the actual fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> the only joy this week was watching a girl's life disintegrate. <laughs> but nah, it's like, yeah. I mean, I just can't believe that America is still thinking that this kind of shit is okay. Like, and the fact that it's been on and on and on and it's like it's just it seems like America will never move past this it will yeah. always be somewhat within their society that they'll always keep no matter who it is they'll, unless you're white they're going to keep you down and that it's always white, you know, fucking like, pisses me off disenfranchised of the black population but also the talk about the women in it women couldn't vote until like 1920 yeah. or something like that they talk about the, you know, now it's yeah. the Latino population, the Chinese population, basically, like you said, anyone who's not a white mm. landowner essentially was not allowed to vote. Yeah, and I think coming from yeah. our point of view as well, the government here is always 
it seems like government here is encouraging folk to vote. They're always trying to make people vote. You know, they're always talking about you know percentage of people coming out. They're always trying to like sort of push for people to go out and vote. And it seems like, and I don't know how long you've how long you've been waiting for a vote, but I've never stood for more than like sort of like two minutes to make a vote. Really, have you? No, no, never. Like, well, we also always have the luxury of we don't have any sort of like structure within our day. Apart from like obviously we go to work and we come back. Outside yeah. of that small window. So a lot of the time, like, we just wait till, like, right to the last minute. Like, they're about to shut the doors and we just strut and tick a box and go, there you but go. Even, even at that, how often do you hear this country of, like, massive queues at the, at the voting lines? It never really happens. Where the yeah. American keeps seeing very people stand in line for, like, nine hours to vote. And you're like, well, that just seems, like, so, like, third world almost. Yeah, you'd have to wait for nine yeah. hours to vote. Um, so I think that... It's almost like I can't... Sorry, but I was going to say it sounds almost very much like a like a like a dictatorship way of doing it. It's like because yeah. you see like people in other parts of the world like they'll queue for hours and hours and hours, and then it's almost like their vote doesn't even matter. It's like yeah. they'll never get counted or whatever. Uh-huh. And then because I watched this, and then I read like literally the next day that a postal worker was found to have all these like envelopes, uh, voting envelopes, in his bin in his house. Uh, from like obviously people trying to vote this time around and you're like literally like this system's fucked beyond right. beyond belief you yeah. know um the documentary itself again so saw... trying to get your information across yeah um trying to again there is a problem with this the same way there was with the amber one it's an yes. echo chamber anyone who's watching this documentary i feel will already register the vote will already be doing it it's not trying to target them and keep and it's, it's anyone who's not yeah into this will not watch it. Anyone who watches it from the sort of the right, it comes from a very leftist angle, or left wing by American standards angle. So anyone who's from the right side of America who would right mm. wing of America, they're going to watch it and just see it as sort of leftist nonsense and sort of just basically as a, a propaganda piece. The fact that the woman who is involved yep. in it, Stacey Keach, the fact that she produces it as well is a bit icky to me because that it, it does make it feel like maybe there's not as much balance in it as there should be. Now, a lot of times there isn't a lot of balance to be had because I feel like the woman who's the, the thing that the, the Republican Party have put in place are obviously completely and utterly illegal and completely wrong. Um, but eventually there was no, there was, the only comebacks you had for it were from the, like sort of the snippets in the news media, like sort of, and they, they can be cherry picked mm. to find the worst examples. So, as much as I do yes. think what, what I try to say is 100% correct, the, 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 the system has been rigged against this population, I think by having the way they presented mm. it in some ways would lead people to think that it's not 100% an accurate depiction of how it's been done, if that makes sense. You need, mm. you need to look, you need to look yeah, more distance yeah, yeah. from it. Um, yes. But I, did like, I like what they did. I like the fact that they kept going back and showing the historical basis of all this stuff and they showed the... Mm-hmm. Done it with sort of animation and things like that as well. So it's, you know, that's what we're talking about last week with the anti nowhere documentary. When it didn't have footage, yes. all they had was talking heads. And this, when it didn't have the footage yeah. or something, they put the animation and they make it, they made it a bit more interesting, make, yeah. it, make it visually more appealing. Uh, yeah, it's just like it's not just someone telling their vision of a story. It's like you can get to see a bit more, you know, it's yeah. like a bit more thought's been put into it rather than just someone telling a story almost. So, yeah. yeah it, I do. I do always appreciate it when like documentaries go a wee bit further on, and it's not just talking heads all the time. Exactly. So um, yeah, it's a nice way of doing it as well. 
Yeah, and it's got it's got to keep it because if a dog head is a pure just talking heads, talking heads, talking heads, it becomes boring and you don't you end up switching off. But this at least is enough to keep you more interested in it and, and trying to push that message across and showing you how important the message is. Mm. And I hope anyone who watches it who is sitting in the fence would understand the message. Mm. But I feel again it's an echo chamber. People who who are already understanding of this message will watch it and it'll, it'll just validate their opinions. Anyone who doesn't feel this way will just not watch this, and it's not going to change anything at all. Um, and that's okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Also, I think Netflix is a documentary a couple of years ago called Thirteen, which I think told this mm-hmm. entire thing better. It's it, it done it, a, it, it, it visually um, the more interesting they're telling it, and it, the narrative of it was a lot stronger. Um, and this one, did. this one was still mm-hmm. very, very good, but um, the, the Thirteen. Um, on Netflix, I think, is a far better example of this of, of this style of documentary. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. Good recommendation there. Yes. Um, out of 10 for yourself, or all in the fight for democracy? Yeah, I'm giving this one an 8 out of 10, just because it adds, like, it's a very important issue, and I still cannot believe in 2020 that we still treat other people like fucking shit. Yes. We still keep them down, on and fucking on. And America's just fucked, and we should just put a wall around America. And that's yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure you said, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Um, message very yeah. prevalent, put it across. You know, it, it, it was distinct to what it's trying to tell. I just I'd, I'd issues with the way it put it across sometimes with the people involved in it because I felt like it wasn't. Sometimes the issues, the issues have no balance, but I feel some, sometimes if you put something on screen who tries to balance it and comes across as a complete fool. That validates your message so much better than just cherry picking stuff off the media. Like when we watched that show, you yeah. one. Then we watched the show and one about the guy, the, the racism towards football player. Yes. And they got, yeah, yeah. They, they got the TV presenter come on to explain his position and why he thought he thought what he think. And the more he spoke, the more idiotic he sounded. And it yeah. just validated the position of the right position, you know. Whereas in this one, yeah. you don't have really any sort. You don't have any sort of Republican or right wing person talking on it enough to go. You know, just to, to, to validate how stupid the, the position is, it was all just cherry picked media snippets. Which I think something mm. slightly devalued. If everyone knows you can just you can just cherry pick them as best you want, just to make the, your own message sound better. So I would like to see a little bit more kickback yeah. on the camera, which would have been which I think would have validated the message more. Yeah, yeah. It's like the other day I was watching like Trump making a speech hang and literally I was just like, You you sound like you you not even prepared for this. You sound like you've literally someone's ran into your office and said, "Shit, dude, you need to give like a speech in five minutes." And he's went, "All right, okay, I can wing this." And then like he just bumbles his way through stuff, and you're yeah. like, "Man, this is a guy leading a fucking country." Let the idiot talk. The yeah. idiot will show himself as being an idiot. The problem is now, even the idiot doesn't get shown as an idiot. People just think he's a genius somehow. The best example I can think if you yeah. ever go back on YouTube and watch Monty Python guy, I think it's um. It's John Cleese and I think it might be Michael Palin are on like a British chat show. It's about the time the Holy Grail came mm-hmm. out and there's like sort of a, a couple of, there's a reverend and a, the archbishop is in there sort of saying how the Holy Grail is a terrible blasphemous movie. And they essentially, mm. they do it completely calmly. They don't shout, they don't raise their voices, don't get offensive, they don't try and belittle the, 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 the archbishop. They just let him talk. Mm. And the more he talks, the archbishop, the more insane and stupid his position sounds. So if you come from that, yeah. you just let, let the idiot position talk for as much as possible because you go, the more you say, the more idiotic you sound and the more you try and defend your position, the tougher it becomes to defend it. So yeah. sometimes you just let the idiots talk 
and it'll, it'll, it'll help us all just yeah. solidify their own demise, hopefully. But unfortunately, right now we're in a world where I'm, I'm, the idiots have a crowd who support yeah. and cheer them no matter what they say. It's a... Uh, I haven't been able to find it anywhere yet, but the spitting image just came back, but they've been right, putting yeah. like clips of the episodes on YouTube. Right. It's fucking absolute gold. Right, okay. Especially like the Donald Trump stuff. They've absolutely nailed him to a T. <laughs> he's hanging out with like coronavirus and all that and he's calling him <laughs> Caroni. <laughs> he's like he's literally got Caroni working in the White House with him and everything. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's a it's a sad state of affairs that like a satire show that rips the cunt out of folk. It's like they're doing a better job of portraying the president than what the president doing. Or even, it's like it's almost like it's a mirror image of each other. Or how the media present like the media present with too much reverence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show us what he is. Yeah, but that's it for this week. So yeah. if you want to feel depressed, watch all in for democracy, <laughs> sorry, sorry David Attenborough, and the murder one with the American family next door for the murder, American murder of the family yeah. next door. If you want some happiness, like Barry says, maybe watch. Rocks, which a little depressing, has more joy in it than other stuff. To be honest, um, next week or I've anything stuff. from Disney or I've, anything from Disney Plus. <laughs> I've got better stuff for you this week. Okay, so we've yes. got one on um, Hulu called Palm Springs, which is a time travel uh-huh. romantic sort of time loop Groundhog Day type thing. So I think oh. you really like it. The bigger, oh, okay, okay, okay. It's got a good cast in it. We've got. On Sky Movies, a Vin Diesel action movie called Bloodshot. I know you're a man who likes Jesus. a bit of Vin Diesel. Uh, maybe. maybe. Uh, and, and on Netflix, we've got one called Hashtag Alive, which is, a, I think it's a Korean zombie film. Oh, okay. So okay. looks All interesting. Right. So some interesting stuff. In. Probably, hopefully yeah. not quite as depressing, a bit more escapist film for you. Yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah. Cool. Look forward to it. Yeah. Give me a way to find us, Barry. All the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. All the fun places you should be hanging out for long periods of time. Okay, that's for us this week. I've been Richard, you've been Barry. And you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.